Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. I might be becoming a bad baseball fan who can't enjoy the romantic things because of advanced statistics. 15 years from now, I want to be on the early baseball committee. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. I literally have the fan graphs hoodie, the baseball reference t-shirt, just repping some stats, you know what I'm saying? It's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, we're talking baseball. Kind of whenever, I'm your host, Chris Gianta, over there. On the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran with a special guest. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing very well again today. We are joined once again by Brian Butler. Uh, it's the last time that I'm recording as a, as a media intern for the Cape Cod Baseball League. Uh, it's certainly very emotional, but, uh, you know, it's the last pod, so... We decided to have Brian tag along once again. Yeah, it's uh, great to be back. Yes, great to great to have you back. Uh, you know, it's been it's been seven days since we've we've last met. You know, some things sh- have shake shaken up in the standings. Seven days since Daniel and I last met. Uh, a little longer since uh, since we've had Brian on, but uh, some things have shaken up in the standings. We're in that sort of post trade deadline. Uh, portion of the season seeing which teams did the right things uh which teams you know have done the wrong things so far but uh a team that kind of sold like sold a little bit but is rolling really hot right now is the seattle mariners and we were kind of wondering when they were going to get hot and it turns out it's you know been since the start of july that that's when they decided to get hot They've won 25 of their last 35, 13 of their last 15, and also eight in a row. Uh, they're currently on an eight-game win streak. Uh, what, have you been, what have you been thinking about the Seattle Mariners? Yeah, I mean, this is very reminiscent of last season. I believe in 2022, they were 10 games under 500 at one point in May. Yeah. Uh, and they went on their big 13-game win streak right before the All-Star break. Uh, and they kind of took off from there. And I feel it was like the entire year we've kind of just been waiting for the Mariners to take off because, you know, they've been kind of hovering 500. They've not gotten a lot of production out of their offense. And that's kind of been the largest reason why uh, they've been so well. Over the last 20 games, uh, they are slashing 271, 344, and 479 as a team. That's slugging percentage is huge because this is not a team that's particularly known for their power. Uh, they have a 131 weighted runs created plus of 5.3 uh, fan graphs wins above replacement out of their position players. That's number four uh, in the league going back to July 20th and over their last 20 games, which has been, you know, I mean, they obviously made some adjustments to the offense during the offseason. They brought in Teoscar Hernandez. Uh, they brought in, like, I mean, Colton Wong's not on the team anymore, uh, but that was, that was a guy that they brought in, but um, you know, they've gotten a lot of big contributions, specifically from Julio Rodriguez, uh, which is, you know, kind of the guy that they were hoping that would take off eventually. Right, right. And uh, going back to the start of July, their pitching has also been unbelievable. Uh, they have the best ERA in baseball uh, since the start of July, but also the third best FIP. And their bullpen since the start of July particularly has been unbelievable uh they have a 2.39 era which leads baseball by more than half a run uh individually in that bullpen who's particularly been killing it is a friend of the show matt brash 16 innings pitch 1.69 era and 1.70 fip (laughs) by the way if you want to see our interview with him you can't because uh periscope no longer exists Um, it was one of the first 30 episodes episodes of the show to be named later that yeah there's uh, no proof of that episode like, not that we don't want 
now that we don't want you to see it, it's that they have been wiped off the internet. Yes. Uh, also, I Taylor Saucedo, uh, 14 innings, 0.64 ERA, 2.34 FIP, and uh, Justin Topa uh, with 13 and two-thirds innings pitched, a 0.66 ERA and 2.17 FIP. So it's been it's been everything, obviously. Like as you mentioned, their their offense is killing it, but also their main the main strength of that team, which is their pitching, is performing like they should be and and above that. Yeah, and I mean, even stretching it out over the whole season, uh, in not just this most recent stretch where they've been especially dominant, that bullpen really stands out. Um as something that's really been leading this team you've got their uh on baseball reference their top five uh relief pitchers the lowest era plus for any of them is gabe spire at 116 uh they've also yeah sewold's at 141 matt brash 133 topa 169 and taylor sacito's at 204 um they've just been really good at limiting everything it seems like everyone has a really low fit the highest they've got is Sacito, who has the highest era plus ironically with uh 3.15 so just that bullpen's really been an anchor for the mariners it seems like all year and just getting them you know the rest of the team really getting going lately has been huge for them and that's not even getting into andres monios who came off the il a couple months ago and is one of the nastiest relievers that anyone has in the big leagues uh and i know he's been he's been terrific uh over this span and just in general um, or I'm pr- at least, you know, he has the stuff. Um, but I mean, when you look at the Mariners ever since the kind of this competitive window started for them in 2021, like when their bullpen is going, that's when they're going because in 2021, you know, they won 90 games and that was the fun differential year where they had like a negative 50 run differential and they should have lost a lot more games. The reason why that happened was because their offense was kind of a weak spot and their bullpen was dominant. They were winning a ton of one run games. They're walking off a lot. If they were leading in the fifth inning, you know, even by a run or so, like the bullpen was going to hold it down. And you know, that's kind of been the theme of Mariners baseball over the last few years now. It's when their bullpen is going, no matter what's going on in offense, it's going to be tough to beat this team. And right now the offense also happens to be going very well. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like the, I think the theme of the team over the past few years is like, if their offense can be just average, they're in a very, very good spot with the amount of talent they have on the pitching side and their bullpen, they just keep, they just tend to keep churning out bullpen talent. I don't know what it is. They must have a good development program with, you know, development process with that. Cause I mean, since like 2021, they've lost Kendall Graveman at now Paul Seawald and also Eric Swanson. They traded off in the off season yet. They still dominate. I remember in 2021, I did a, I did a Mariners bullpen. How about that? where I highlighted like five relievers. And I think all of them are, I think most of them are gone now. I remember uh, JT Shajwa was one of them. Yep. He's gone now. Rice legend. Rice legend, JT Shajwa. Um, He was traded for Diego Castillo straight up. Uh, Paul Seawald is obviously gone now. Um, Eric Swanson was one of them. He's gone. Kendall Graveman was one. He's gone. And the fifth one, I'm trying to remember from two years ago who it was. Was it Drew Steckenrider? I don't think it was it very possibly it was. might have been oh no it was or no wait yeah yeah it might have been drew second rider honestly because uh i remember highlighting five relievers very specifically right right and yeah, i don't think he's in the organization anymore so the fact that they they've kind of just been bringing guys in and uh you know it's it's been very much a next man up type thing for the last few years i mean you look at 
you look at who the the best uh, producers have been out of that bullpen over the last couple of years, and it's like you know, twenty twenty one. It's you know, it's Drew Steckenrider with the most innings out of the bullpen. Paul Seawald emerging as the closer. Uh, you know, the, there's a lot of names, and then you look to twenty twenty two, and it's a whole different group, right? I mean, you they had Penn Murphy who was dominant last year. They had Munoz come up last year. This year until they got hurt. Yeah, uh, Diego Castillo was good. Eric Swanson came out as one. Well. One of the best relievers in the league, Matt Brash, emerged a little bit, especially towards the end of the season. This year, it's a lot of the guys you've mentioned, Gabe Spear, Justin Topa, uh, you know, the you know Taylor Sacedo. Matt Brash has taken the much bigger role. Trevor Gott has been in that bullpen this year, and he's a very good fit. Like every single year, it's like it's they're kind of it's like the Rays starting pitching, where it's like every year they'll bring up a guy that no one's heard of that will yeah. all of a sudden go on a run. Except the difference is they stay on the team. Yeah, I was about I was about they, to fill in there. Like, the yeah, except this time they they don't get Tommy John surgery six months six months later. Um, yeah, no the yeah. the Mariners have a very intriguing bullpen. They've had a very intriguing bullpen for the past few years. Uh, one of the best bullpens, if not the best bullpen in baseball, and nothing you want to see in the postseason. However, despite all this run, they are still a game and a half out, uh, a game and a half or two games out of the uh third wild card spot and this is my you know this is my proposition to rob manfred we need to take the al central winner out of the playoffs and include a fourth wild card spot because this is ridiculous we cannot have one of the blue jays or mariners out of the playoffs because we need a spot for the twins we just can't have that you know you know there's going to be a team that's like tanking for the six seed yeah i think i've mentioned that on the show but it's like, why would you want to be the five seed when you could be the six seed and play the Minnesota Twins? Exactly. Because if you're the four seed, you're playing like either the Rays or the Orioles. Right. You're playing right. whoever finishes second in the AL East, which you don't want to do that. Or the Astros. But you want to play or, the Twins. Or the Astros or Rangers. Yeah, or the like, Astros or Rangers. Like, you know, you know, there's going to be a team tanking for that sixth spot. And yeah, I agree with your proposition. Uh, we do need a fourth wild card. Uh, to yeah, get rid this, of the is, Minnesota. this is ridiculous because, yeah, I mean, like, while the Mariners could take that third wild card spot, that takes out the Blue Jays. And the Blue Jays are also a very fun team who's been doing very well as of recently, along with that. They've been able to kind of keep a decent pace with the Mariners, despite how hot the Mariners have been. So it's kind of a tough situation. But I mean, it's going to make the end of the regular season that much more exhilarating because like the fact that one of these teams you know even if it's it's probably not going to be the Astros it's probably going to be one of the Mariners or Blue Jays that's going to be out of this race I mean that's that's crazy I mean we could see a like a 93-94 win team uh, that doesn't make the playoffs yeah see also alternatively what we what we could you know petition for is instead of just taking the twins out of it entirely pull like uh what he did with the uh, the 2022 All-Star game and just give like a, this guy's fun. Like, here you go. Now you're in the playoffs. Yeah. Congratulations <laughs> to the Seattle Mariners because, you know, like it would be a shame if e- and either of those teams getting left out because the Twins who still could very possibly finish below 500 and win their division, like, or have to be there as the division winner. Have them like play in the first, like have them do like a game 163 to see who actually gets that spot. Yeah, I, I I like that. I like that proposition as well. I think the best case scenario here is the Mariners and Blue Jays tie and they play like a one game uh, 
a one game playoff. If they still have that in the new playoff format, I don't know if they still do. Uh, but maybe for a no, wild card the game spot, they would. Aren't a thing. Yeah, not at all. Even if it's for a wild card no, spot. They, yeah, they completely abandoned that, which is so sad. That is, yeah, that is kind of sad. That is kind of sad. Um, yeah, so it's it's unfortunate. I think, I mean, if 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 you're a if you're a yeah if you're the Twins, like who would you rather face, the Mariners or the or the Blue Jays? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like. Uh, by it's the way, tough. I think the Mariners are marching. It pretty much confirms that the Angels are buried. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, they're what, like 11 and a half games out of the division now and like eight games out of a wild card spot. Like, that was, right. It's it, it's crazy how how quickly it was over. <laughs> yeah, no. They, they didn't even leave us uh, a chance to hope. You know. We, yeah. There, there was that one day, though. Yeah, I, I've got the standings pulled up. The The Angels are currently in fourth place. They are 11 and a half games out of the division, six and a half games out of the wild card. They're 58 and 59 right now. Yeah. Yeah, they're on a, I think, eight, like something like some, some crazy losing streak right now. Uh, It looks like they just snapped it. They, they won last game. night. So it is, they're two and eight in their last 10. They're on a one game losing streak. By the way, right the now. fact that the Mariners had their not have their eight game win streak at the same time that the Rangers also did the same thing. So yeah, unfortunate for them, because like, if if the Rangers went like six and four over those ten games instead of nine and one, like the Mariners are very, very, very much in the division race. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, and it seems like everyone in that race, except for, you know, the Angels now, if you can consider them in the race, is keeping pace. Astros are keeping pace. Blue Jays are keeping pace. Um, no one's no one's falling off. It makes it very, very intriguing for sure. Um. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the Angels, I mean, that with the Angels, there was that one fun day where they they trade for Giolito and, and Lopez, and then the next day, Shohei Otani, he does the complete game shutout, and then he does the home run, and everyone's excited, and then two home runs, and then, two home runs, and then uh, yeah, and then the, it's uh, it's over after that. It's kind of sucked. Yeah, it was it was such an unfortunate run that yeah, he didn't uh, even run. Yeah, and, yeah. And one uh one great one thing you could argue was a greater collapse, at least this season. Uh, you know, not the highest of stakes with this organization particularly, but the uh Arizona Diamondbacks, they have lost 25 of their last 32, uh, for the worst record in baseball by three and a half games in the span since July 2nd. Uh they are so yeah they they're seven and twenty five in their last thirty two. Uh, what have you been thinking about? You know what what's what what are your kind of takes on the sort of collapse of the what was the early arrival Arizona Diamondbacks? Well, I mean it's it's the problem has been any sort of pitching, whether it's starting rotation, whether it's bullpen. Uh, they have a five eighty five ERA dating back to July 9th, which is the span in which they are 5-21. and 21. They also have a 5-19 FIP that is the highest in Major League Baseball. Uh, they have .2 pitcher wins above replacement, according to fan graphs. That is tied with the New York Yankees for the for the lowest in the league. Um, and they just haven't really gotten the solid production out of anyone. Uh, it does look like Zach Allen has like quite possibly lost the Cy Young race here in this span. He has a 460 ERA. Uh, and a 467 FIP over his last, what, five starts now. 
Um, maybe he hasn't lost the race entirely, but uh, because no one else is really taking it. To yeah, be fair. I was gonna say it's not like I don't know who's like the immediate favorite, but uh, yeah. he hasn't been very good. the The only person that's been good in some capacity is Kevin Ginkle. Ironically, he's twelve innings pitched and 0.75 ERA in the span. Uh, 1.93 FIP. Everyone else is okay at best. Yeah, their bullpen particularly has been atrocious and not that they came in with a good bullpen, but it's been really bad. You know, in their last 32 games, their bullpen ERA is 6.25, which is also the worst in baseball. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it is it is really disappointing to watch because I believe what were they they were 52 and 38 at one point, like comfortably, not just in the wild card race, but also in the division race in a really tough division there. And more than that, just the fact that they were so far ahead of schedule with an incredibly fun young team, like obviously Corbin Carroll's the big name. He came up, he was playing really well. Um, But then even guys like Alec Thomas, Jake McCarthy, still pretty young. They've got a good young outfield. And then just, Gallon when he was really dominant at the start of the year. Just a lot of really fun players to watch that are really easy to root for. And then just they completely fell off the face of the earth and now they've lost nine straight. Yeah, yeah, they they are indeed on a non-game losing streak. And yeah, and it's with with this team, it's been it like their pitching has been a, a definitely a bad a, an extremely bad sign, but also in their last 32 games, they have the second lowest amount of runs scored and the third lowest OPS uh, with a 671 OPS. Uh, looking particularly, it's it's a lot of guys who are, you know, kind of outperforming themselves, who have really cooled down. And in particular, three guys with Corbin Carroll, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Geraldo Perdomo, who was an all-star, let's not forget. Uh, Corbin Carroll in the was. Diamondbacks' last 32 games is hitting 223 with a 702 OPS. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. hitting 217 with a 677 OPS. And Geraldo Perdomo hitting 223 with a 622 OPS in the Diamondbacks' last 32 games. Uh, so I think it's just been an entire team cool-off from a big overperformance in the first three months of the season. Yeah, oh, it is... You know, you always expect somewhat of a regression to the mean, especially with a young team that's as, that was playing as well as the Diamondbacks were at the start of the year. But I really, this is, is more than a regression to the mean. This is more of a complete, they're just falling apart. Like, I maybe they weren't necessarily going to be a wild card team, but like the fact that they're probably now going to finish fairly comfortably below 500 unless they turn it around is really disappointing because it looked like they were doing everything to take a step in the right direction this year. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and yeah, like it, it would have been an early arrival if they became, you know, a playoff team, especially, you know, they're still two years removed from winning only 52 games and losing 110 uh, back in 2021. But yeah, I mean, it's there's still there's still a, a lot to be optimistic about with Arizona. Uh, they have uh, their their farm system has been talked about a lot. They have a lot of highly ranked prospects, which is uh, which is fantastic for them. A lot of young talent that's still developing. I think pitchers just take a little longer to develop, typically at least in the MLB as of late. There's not you know, it it's going to take a little bit for Brandon Fod and 
Ryan Nelson to get their feet under them at the, at the big league level. So, uh, you know, there's there, I think there's a lot to be optimistic about, uh, still, you know, even way, after this collapse, if I'm a diamondbacks fan and have been for like a while now, like, I don't know what it's going to take to trust a good start at this point, because the last time that they had a start like this was 2018. If you remember, they had like the best record in the national league at, after April, they were 20 and eight. Uh, they were actually 47 and 34 after June 28th. Uh, they were 53 and 44 at the all-star break and they finished the season 82 and 80 because they completely collapsed in August and September uh, in kind of the same fashion that we're seeing now uh, in the month of September specifically. Let me pull up the record. Uh, this was 2018, by the way, the last time that they kind of looked competitive for the majority of the season uh, in September of that year, they went eight and 19 Uh and also, yeah, I mean, they just completely, completely, completely fell off the face of the earth uh, in that month. And then also in 2019, they were kind of sneaking towards a playoff spot in September. And then they also collapsed. Uh, they had like a seven game losing streak in September uh, from September 8th up until the 13th or so. Right. And uh, yeah, it, with with the with how bad the team has turned over the last month, I wonder how it might affect the off season plans. Cause maybe if they did better this year, maybe when they snuck into a playoff spot, maybe the ownership and, and front office would be more apt to build the team, you know, build the team around the prospects, more, sign more free agents, because we know the diamondbacks have the ability to do that. They've done that before. It's just, they choose their windows to do that. Uh, so I, I'm wondering if maybe that's, it slows that process down of getting free agents or making, you know, win now trades. And another sort of frustrating thing, if you're a Diamondbacks fan has to be that they did promote most of their top prospects this past year. Um, so just looking at their system right now, they still have Jordan Lawler, who was just ranked the 10th best prospect in baseball by MLB pipeline. He'll probably, he's hitting really well in double A or Right now, he'll probably be up maybe like a September call-up, but also probably just some point next year. But other than that, their top five prospects, uh, Drew Jones, who, you know, drafted last year out of high school. He won't be around for a while. Brandon Fott's already on the MLB roster. Tommy Troy was just drafted this, this year. year. Yeah. I MLB.com. Was, has, he, was he a former cave leaguer? He was. Uh, he played for Wareham in 21 and Katuit in 22. Gotcha. Uh, he won the home run hitting contest in 2022. Um, I thought Lyle Miller Green did. You're right. He beat Tommy Troy in the finals. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I just. I wasn't even here. Yeah, I brain farted on that. I knew he was in, I knew he was in the finals. I For some reason, I thought he won for a second. I literally, I have a ball actually that he hit uh, into the parking lot at Wareham. <laughs> um, yeah, but MLB.com has his ETA at 2026. I think that's a bit, you know. MLB.com, I think, usually does overestimate. Their, yeah. Like, I, you don't underestimate them. They usually overestimate their I, ETAs. I, I, I do think he'll be up before that if he, because he's one of the best pure hitters I've seen at, especially at the collegiate level and then here. Uh, and then finally, their last uh, top five prospect is Yumin Lin, a left-handed pitcher. They've got him at 2025. Unless they make some significant moves in the offseason to really sort of pool up and make a run next year, there's not necessarily a ton of help coming up through their minor league system. So it is going to be really interesting to see what they do here. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, 
yeah, I mean, anything, anything more on the Diamondbacks before we uh, move on? I think that was it. I mean, they're still, how far are they behind the Dodgers now in the division? A lot. 12 and a half games. Oh, wow. That escalated so quickly. I know that really got like, out of hand fast. Yeah. On July. Also, on... the NL. The NOS is like basically over now because the Giants have also started losing some games. Yeah, entering July 2nd, the Diamondbacks were up three games in the NL West, and now they are 12 and a half back. So they've lost 15 and a half games in the division in this uh in this stretch. Yeah. So right, yeah. Shout out to the we will play five ball, 45 and 71 Rockies at the bottom of the NL West. I mean, it's still possible. They could win ninety. They could win ninety one games. They could win ninety one games. If they win at the same pace that the Diamondbacks have been losing, yeah, watch out. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) They might. They might play five on. Exactly. That's like better than I thought. Um, so one thing. Uh, yeah, one thing we haven't gotten to yet was uh, one thing we actually forgot to talk about. Uh. Last episode was Framber Valdez's no hitter. I mean, we're not going to talk about it now because it's old news. But shout out to Framber Valdez because he had an amazing no hitter that featured no Deserted. batted balls above a 420 expected batting average. I mean, he that was a true blue, 100 well earned no hitter. The ground god uh, also seven strikeouts in that one with only one walk. So shout out to Framber Valdez for his amazing no hitter. But uh, another individual no hitter. I love that when we when the no hitter happens now. Like we automatically degraded. It's like, yeah, that's a good no hitter. Like actually a good no hitter, because of course, like there have been some that are just simply not uh, to par and should not have been, should not have come to pass. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm the, I'm the no hitter Debbie Downer here. I cannot, you know, you're the I know that keeper of no hitters. There's a lot of, there's a lot of luck involved. You, you can't, unless you strike out 27 batters. Or unless you try to strike out at least like 25 batters, you cannot have uh an you know a no hitter without some luck. Uh, but some are gonna be a lot luckier than others. Shout out to, to Tyler Gilbert. But anyway, Michael Lorenzen, he threw a no hitter uh this past Wednesday or Thursday, and uh he had five strikeouts, four walks, a lot of pitches thrown. Um, but in general, just Knowing what Michael Lorenzen does, how he kind of handles himself, how he seems to be with the media. Not that I know him personally, but it seems like someone you're you're happy for to have a a, a, a no hitter like this. Yeah, I mean, I think this is that 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 specifically is for Brian to talk about. Yeah, actually, just um, when I was a kid, I believe he came up. Let me look real quick. He came up in 2015. With the Reds, yeah, he came up in 2015 with the Reds, uh, mostly as a starter until he got to L.A. last year. That was the only season he mostly worked as a starter. But he, he was one of my favorite players as, um, when I was, you know, like 13 years old. And I, I could never really place why. Just He always seemed like a really genuinely nice person who really like cared a lot about what he was doing. Uh, he was a starter for a year or so, moved to the bullpen, was a really like strong reliever on a lot of really bad Reds teams. Um, and it's just, it's really nice to see him having this level of success right now because like I, one of my personal, like little personal story here, I, I mentioned he was one of my favorite players. I got the, like as a birthday present one year, I got the like Michael Lorenzen, like the t-shirt 
jersey. And I wore it to like every game I went to just because he was, I love this guy. And, you know, they, the Reds have their like annual fan fest every year in December. And I think it was, I'm pretty sure this was 2015. It may have been 2016. I used to go with my dad every year. Um, We, I went there and I brought the shirt with me and waited in line. And like, you know, it's Michael Lorenzen who wasn't like, a huge name on the team at the time, but granted the 2015 Reds didn't exactly have a lot of huge names that they didn't trade at the deadline. Um, So, you know, I wait in line, get this shirt signed. Everyone else has like, you know, pictures or like cards, stuff like that. And I go up there with the shirt and he just looks at me and I can see this like genuine, like shock on his face. He's like, you bought my shirt. I was like, like, yeah. I was like, I don't know. Because it was baffling to me. Like, why wouldn't anyone? But he was like genuinely grateful that I had his shirt and would wear it to games and he signed it for me. And I just like that's been something that stuck with me for a while. And just like he's he's a really great person. He's having a very strong year this year Uh, since he got traded uh, to the Phillies, made two starts. Obviously, the no hitter, the other one against the Marlins, he went eight innings, gave up two earned one walk. Like he's been He's had an incredible year, and for me personally, it's just so much fun to watch because I loved watching him pitch. I loved watching him hit, too. I've seen him hit, I want to say, four home runs in person back when he was with the Reds. Uh, Unfortunately, that's something he doesn't do anymore, but that was always really fun to watch. Uh, Yeah, no, just really, really, really special for me personally to see him having this level of success now. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it it seemed like... You know, this was obviously a, a no hitter that I think everyone was was rooting for, uh, especially if you kind of can't, you know, especially from a, you know, a Reds background for you uh, being able to, you know, see him get the get the spotlight that, you know, he he deserves. And yeah, it was it was very, uh, very nice to see he had his family there, which, you know, obviously appeals to the emotions of everyone. Uh, you know, they had the video on them. That was really cool. You know, just overall, I mean, the the game in general was also unbelievable because, uh, you know, one guy, it was his first major league at bat. He had been in the majors for seven years or been in the minors for seven years, excuse me. And uh, first at bat hits a home run. And then uh, Nick Castellanos also had his 200th home run, uh, 200th career home run. So just an overall wild course of events going on in that game. Yeah, I mean, just looking more specifically at Lorenzo and and kind of what was working for him, the correct answer is everything. Uh, He threw his fastball 42 times out of the 124 pitches he threw. By the way, 124 pitches is quite a lot in 2023, especially for a guy who used to be a reliever. Um, But his fastball had a 29% called strike and whiff percentage, his changeup 27%, his slider 31%, uh, and that makes up most of, I think all but like 16 of the pitches that he threw. So everything he was throwing, you know, like a lot was very effective that night for him. Um, more specifically, he, he had a whiff rate uh, of 44% on his changeup, uh, which is not exactly most known to be best pitch for getting whiffs. It's, it's not the, it's definitely not the worst pitch, but it's definitely not the best one, especially when you see that his slider only had a 13%. Uh, so his changeup was really effective for him that night. He threw it 37 times. Um, and his four seamer, obviously, he got weak contact on. He got a lot of whiffs, got a lot of called strikes as well. Right, right. Yeah, it was um, yeah, it was a solid performance. I know he 
really threw a lot of pitches in like the first two or three innings and kind of found himself probably with all those pitches, found the zone a little bit more and, uh, and yeah, worked up to a, worked up to a no hitter, pretty crazy, you know, in, in 2023 to see two individual no hitters in, in almost the same week, like two weeks in a row, you get mm-hmm. two individual no hitters. So we're at what three now, three now, four now three. on the season. Three. I think it's three the Detroit combined one. Yeah. Detroit right. combined. Detroit, Detroit did have a combined no hitter. <laughs> that was yeah, weird. And then Herman. Well. Oh, right. I forgot. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess it is four. Yeah. yeah four. Three ones. Yeah. Three individuals. Um, I feel like there was yeah, another think... combined one they were missing. Oh, look. I don't know. Combined uh, no hitters are so forgettable. They they are very much. Except I'll never forget the Cubs one the just because of so. How... Yeah. The Cubs one was so funny. It was <laughs> so, it was so mid. <laughs> The Tyler Skaggs one was the only like cool one, and I guess the Astros World Series one, just based on the fact that it was in the World Series. Uh, yes. yeah, it is. It is for this year. There was the combined Tigers one on July eighth. That was that's the only combined one this year. Correct. Okay. Anything more before we get into players to highlight? Let's do it. All right. So now we will get into our Saturday, August twelfth, twenty twenty three edition of How About That. He's striking out less, walking more, and he's also making better contact. Turning into a strikeout machine just out of nowhere. He's been excellent all around this year. He is getting a... How about that? All right, Brian, you want to go first on this one? Uh, Yeah, I, I do. I'm not, not sure if this is someone that you guys have mentioned at all recently. Uh, unfortunately, he's actually hurt right now, which is somewhat disappointing from when I found this. But my how about that is Chaz McCormick of the... Houston Astros. I think we. I think. I think that makes three of us, right? <laughs> um, yeah. No, no, so... yeah I, I. I. never picked him. So you did not. I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So last thirty days. Um, granted, he is hurt right now. So, and I'm not quite sure how long he's been hurt for. Uh, Chaz McCormick has a one ninety five weighted runs created plus. He's not necessarily like known as the biggest power guy. Um he's at seven home runs in the last month. He's driven in nine or he's I'm sorry, he's scored nineteen runs, driven in twenty. Um walk rates at sixteen percent, which solid. Uh strikeouts are pretty high, but he does do that. Um Babip indicates that he is probably getting fairly lucky at four twenty nine. But he's got, you know, he's slugging 654. He's got a 432 on base. Like I mentioned, the one uh, 195 weighted runs created plus. Eighth in wins above replacement in the last month with 1.5, according to Fangraphs. Um, and also his name is Chaz. So that's pretty fun. Uh, definitely, I get back to school in Houston um, a week from tomorrow. So I'm very much looking forward to getting back down to the Astros park Um the Red Sox are coming to town like the first week I'm there, so I'll definitely have to go check that out. Uh, and hopefully Chaz McCormick will be healthy because he's been playing really well lately. Yeah, uh, Chaz McCormick. How about that? Uh, yeah. And- yeah, I think I talked about his uh, his like fastballs. Like he destroys them right now uh, when I talked about him. Also my a high line about- drive rate. Yeah, my how about that comes from the AL East. Uh, I'm talking about Yusei Kikuchi from the Toronto Jays because he's been 
pretty dominant on the mound. Over his last five starts, he has a 1-2-4 ERA and a 2-40 FIP with no home runs given up over five starts. Uh, his ERA leads the majors in this span, and his 1.1 F4 is tied for the major league lead. This is over, again, five starts, about a month in time. Uh, which is very impressive, obviously. Uh, before this span, he had a ground ball rate of 37.3%, and in this span, he has risen it up to 53.2%. That is almost a 20% increase in ground ball rate from Yusei Kikuchi. And more importantly in that span, his fly ball rate has also gone from 29.5% to just 16.9%. Uh, so he's been giving up a lot more ground balls, and it's taking away from fly balls, which for a pitcher like him that isn't known for striking out a lot of guys. That is everything. That is huge that he's been doing that. Uh, and also, out of the 13 fly balls he's given up, 12 of them have been below the hard hit threshold or above 40 degrees, uh, which that means even when hitters hit fly balls against him, they're not the right kind of contact. They're either too high or they're not hit hard enough to go over the fence. And in essence, they are outs every time. Uh, during the span, his barrel rate has gone from 10.8% to just 2.6%. He's only given up two barrels over his last five games, uh, which is obviously another huge thing. And during this span, 10.4% of his batted balls have been uh, hard hit and in the sweet spot. That is a very low number. That is the eighth lowest rate among the 141 pitchers with at least 50 batted balls against them. Uh, and additionally, 41.6% of his batted balls across the span have been zero degrees or lower. And that is the 13th highest rate on that aforementioned list of 141. And before this span, it was just 29.5% of his batted balls that were zero degrees or below. So Yusei Kikuchi has been excellent with ground ball rate over his last five games. He's not giving up a lot of fly balls. And even when he does, it's not the right kind of contact. And that's why he's been so dominant over his last five. Yusei Kikuchi. How about that? Yeah, and, and before the season and before last season, when you talked about the Blue Jays rotation, you thought, you know, okay, Gosman, Manoa, Barrios, like, there you go. And then Kikuchi's very much the forgotten guy, very much a five-starter, but looking like a one-starter in his last five starts. Very cool. Um, my how about that comes from the NL Central uh, is – I'm talking about Mike Talkman of the uh, high-flying Cubs uh, who are kind of emerging into the playoff race, especially in the NL Central. Uh, Mike Talkman in his last 15 games is hitting 413 with an 1177 OPS. Out of 177 qualifiers in the span, his average ranks 7th, on-base percentage ranks 10th, and OPS ranks 8th out of 177. And out of 212... 222 hitters with 25 plus batted balls in this span. His expected batting average ranks 13th. So he's expected to do well based on the quality of contact, strikeout rate, and walk rate. Uh, along with that, his strikeout rate has gone from 21% before the span to 13% in the span. And out of 177 qualifiers, his strikeout rate ranks 23rd lowest, and his walk to and his walk to strikeout rate ranks 15th he has one walk for every strikeout uh, which is a very good rate uh, near the top of all of baseball and uh, has made some good improvements with his quality of contact he is his hard hit rate has gone from 36 percent before the span to 50 percent in the span his line drive rate has gone from an already good 29 percent to now 35 percent uh, and out of 222 hitters his line drive rate ranks 23rd that is near top 10 percent 
in line drive rate. Uh, along with that, his hard hit line drive rate has gone from 14% to 20%. And out of 222 hitters, his hard hit line drive rate ranks 33rd. So Mike Talkman, uh, part of the you know streaking Cubs right now, he is hitting the ball harder. He's hitting the ball more, uh, lowering his strikeout rate. And he is hitting more line drives, hitting line drives at an elite level. So he is getting a... How about that? And that shall do it for the uh, positive remarks about players or subjects. And now we will go from the highs to the lows where we're talking players or subjects that have been underperforming with our Saturday, August 12, 2023 edition of Slightly Alarming Statistics. All right. Um, well, I guess I'll start out again. My my slightly alarming statistics is uh, Tony Gonsolin of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um really realize until I was going through to figure out who I wanted to wanted to talk to here that he has been having he actually had a very strong start to the year. He had a really good April and May, but since uh June got underway, he's really you know, he's really started to go downhill a bit. Um uh so now on the year he's got uh four four two ERA, a four eight seven FIP, uh five point one three X FIP. Uh, his ground ball rates down his home run to fly ball rate is up from last year. And of course, last year he was an all-star. He had a very strong season with the Dodgers. Um, but yeah, he's never been a guy that strikes out a ton of batters except for 2021. Uh, but he's down over a full strikeout per nine. He's up a full walk per nine. Uh, his strand, his, uh, his strand rates going down. Like significantly, it was eighty, roughly eighty-four percent last year. It's now sixty-eight percent uh, for this year. He just has like, in like I mentioned, he started out very well. He was very good in April and May. Um, but since June first, his ERA has gone from uh, one point nine five up to four point four two. I mentioned it was as it sits right now. Uh, he is starting tonight against the Colorado Rockies, so maybe that'll help him out a little bit, help him get back on the right track. But as of right now, Tony Gonsolin has been sort of spiraling out of control for the past borderline three months. Yeah, Tony Gonsolin. Slightly alarming. Especially with all the, you know, starting starting pitcher injuries with the Dodgers. Uh, Yeah, it kind of stinks that he's been unable to produce. But we know the Dodgers, they have 11 guys lined up to uh, take yeah. take any role to do well at any point, at any position. Somehow, uh, none, of them are, and somehow none of them are my player to watch, Gavin Stone. Nope. <laughs> somehow, I missed. somehow I missed. Yeah, I need to, this is a conversation for another day, but I, I, I'm putting up Chris 2021 numbers with my players to watch this year. Uh, I would be <laughs> the worst Gavin on the highlight for this year. You're right. Um, Yeah. Um, <laughs> Can, can we talk about can we fill Brian in on your 2021 players to watch? Yeah, I, I got I got a, just off the top of my head. I got a couple. I got a couple bangers. So what takes the cake is uh, Tim LaCastro DFA'd by the Diamondbacks, who, as we mentioned before, lost 110 games in 2021. But they were like, hey, we still don't need Tim LaCastro. And I had him as my player to watch. Um, along with that, we had uh, Tanner Rainey, who I think had like a seven like a seven fip or a seven era that year um was that following the straight up tanner for tanner trade um i don't think I, no because uh 
it, it was after I, 2020 and Tannerini had a good 2020. Um, there but... was one of my favorite things uh, in recent baseball memory, especially as a Reds fan, when the Reds traded the Nationals uh, a straight up Tannerini for Tanner Roark. <laughs> I believe it was 2021. Actually. No, he was. Or was he, it? He was a blue. He was a Blue Jay in 2020. I remember. So I think it was. I think it would have been a different time. Um, yeah. You also had Oscar Mercado from Cleveland, I believe. Uh, yeah. Or that might have been. That might have been. Tw- that might have been 2020. Uh, might have been 2020. Yeah, I would. I would have to go back to the doc, but I mean, Tim LeCastro definitely takes the cake there. Uh, but I had. I remember we do our hits and flops at the end of each year. And in 2021, yeah. I had four mild hits and eight flops. To be fair, no flop that you had in 2021 was worse than my Carlos Hernandez in 2022. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> let me let me give you the the rundown on that. So in 2022, I put Carlos Hernandez as my Kansas City Royals player to watch in a year where they had. Vinny Pasquantino breakout in a year where MJ Melendez started to look promising in a year where Nick Prado had some moments uh, in a year where Bobby Wood Jr. was coming up as a prospect. I put Carlos Hernandez. You know why I put him? Because if you look at his baseball savant page between 2020 and 21, he completely changed up though his pitch usage where like he used his sinker like 80% of the time in 2020 and then his forcing fastball 20%. And then the, the next year in 2021, it was like completely flipped. It was like four seamer, 80%, sinker, eight, 20% or whatever. So there was like a big X on his baseball savant, like pitch usage chart, right? And I was like, this is interesting. Like this guy, you know, kind of changed up his arsenal. Like he throws really hard. Like I'm kind of see like what path he goes down this year. And, you know, uh, <laughs> kind of. It wasn't a good one. Even better. I'll do you one better. I checked back at the end of the year. And there must have been some put some sort of input error because the X was completely gone. He was throwing his four seamer consistently every single year. The entire reason why I put him down did not any longer exist on baseball savants. And he had a seven ERA. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. So that's that's the greatest flop that there's ever been. Yeah. <laughs> it, I, I felt bad. I mean why would why would Mike Petriello put you in a position like that? yeah it's fully his responsibility you you know i was gonna see that too yeah exactly exactly what's Um, funny is he's actually like doing kind of well this year too yeah no i yeah he was highlighted because he's facing the red sox and he's like their closer right now (laughs) yeah he's actually not bad right now um anyway my slightly alarming i'm using one of the longest uh sample sizes that we've had in a while i'm talking about willie adamas of the Milwaukee Brewers, who just hasn't been himself for really this entire year, but specifically going back to April 23rd, which is subtracting like the first three weeks of the season where he was actually pretty good. Uh, but since April 23rd, he is slashing 183, 265, 357, 622 for a 68 weighted runs created plus. Um, his average OBP, OPS, and weighted runs created plus all rank in the bottom six among the 145 qualifiers. Which is which means that he's getting everyday playing time at short, and he's one of the worst hitters in the league. Uh, during the span, he has an average exit velocity of 86.6 miles per hour, which is down two miles per hour from last year. Uh, anytime you have a two mile per hour drop in exit velocity, that's not good as a hitter. It doesn't matter if it's like 94 to 92 or 88 to 86. That's always not a good sign. 
Uh, and also during the span, 21% of his batted balls have been 80 miles per hour or lower and 10 degrees or lower. So that means it's a very softly hit ground ball. 21% of the time, that's what he's doing. And that is the 12th highest rate among the 148 batters with at least 200 batted balls. Uh, specifically, he's had a lot of trouble against sliders this year. Uh, he has a after he had a run value of 10 against sliders in 2022, it is down to just negative seven this year. And that ranks 195th, 195th among the 204 hitters with at least 50 plate appearances ending on sliders. Uh, and also 25% of his batted balls this year have been 30 degrees or higher and below the hard hit threshold. That means it's 30 degrees in the air and 94 miles per hour or less. Uh, and that's almost always an out. Uh, and that is the 16th highest rate on that same list of 148. He has 56 such balls in the span, and he is 0 for 56. So, Willie Adamas uh, has been hitting the ball into the ground too much, hitting the ball in the air too much, and at the same time, he's not hitting the ball hard. And for that reason, he is getting a slightly alarming for me. Yeah. Willie Adamas. Slightly alarming. Um, Yeah, I mean... At least he's at least he's got the defense, I guess. It's I know he's had he enough. Is, he to, is ninety fourth percentile in in outs above average, which is good. Yeah, because I, yeah, I know he has over one win above replacement thanks to our thanks to our league, um, but uh, but yeah, my slightly alarming. Uh, it, we're keeping it in the NL Central. NL Central, we got we got Brian on. We're gonna we're saying hey, we are highlighting NL Central players whether good or bad, uh, and my slightly alarming is mitch keller uh in and uh in his last five starts uh it's been it's been an emergency because he has a 9.11 era sorry about that that was uh that was really cheesy but he does have a 9.11 era in his last five starts along with a 6.52 fifth and 2.7 home runs per nine in 26 and two-thirds innings pitched out of 77 qualifiers in this span his fip is fourth worst Home runs per nine is third worst, and ERA is the worst out of 77 qualifiers. Out of 120 pitchers with 300-plus pitches thrown in the span, his expected batting average is second worst, expected slugging is ninth worst, and expected WOBA is third worst. And when you break it down to the 41 pitchers with four with 400 pitches uh, thrown, his expected slugging is second worst, and his expected batting average and expected WOBA are both the worst in baseball. Uh, along with along with all that, Mitch Keller's strikeout rate has gone from 27% before the span to 19% in the span. Uh, largely, it's not even a problem of him getting less swings and misses. He's just getting to that two-strike count less. His He has gone from getting to a two-strike count in 57% of his batter's face to 47% of his batter's face. Uh, he's also allowing harder contact with his average exit velocity going from 86.5 miles per hour to 88.8 miles per hour. Uh, a big problem has been the ball is not getting on the ground. His ground ball rate has gone from 48% to 34%, which is alarmingly low, especially with how good that rate was before the span. Uh, and his sweet spot rate against has gone from 36% to 44%. We've talked about the significance of the sweet spot before hitters slug about 590 and slug almost 1100 when they hit it uh, in the sweet spot zone, which is between eight and 32 degrees of launch angle. And out of 126 pitchers with 50 plus batted balls against Keller's sweet spot rate against is seventh highest. Uh, he also has 
His line drive rate has also gone from 21%, which was very good, to 35%, which is very bad. And out of 126 pitchers, his line drive rate against is third highest. And if you want to break it down to specific pitches, Mitch Keller has struggled particularly with his cutter as hitters have gone from slugging 383 against it before the span to 969 against it in the span. Uh, Hitters are almost getting a base per at bat against his cutter. And he has gone from having a 57% ground ball rate against his cutter to a 28% ground ball rate against that cutter. So hitters are lifting the ball a lot better, getting much better contact, more line drives, more fly balls, more barrels against that cutter. Uh, And he is, uh, you know, after starting the season very, very well and impressing me a lot, uh, he is getting a slightly alarming. So that does it for players highlight. Um, And now we will get into a semi preview of the weekend ahead. Um, in terms of series way, to watch, go ahead. I, uh, as you were doing that, I was checking through all of my players to watch this year. I found like maybe three hits. Okay. Yeah. No, minus the same. And a lot of, and a lot of not, not hits. Um, yeah, no, my, mine's the same. Cause my, when we break down my hits, it's going to be like, wow, his, his OPS plus was raised by seven points. I mean, he really improved this year. <laughs> yep. Last year, last year I was kind of nice with it. I had Stephen Kwan and Nate Lowe as my top two hits. Um, yeah. Another one of my favorite predictions ever was in 2022. Uh, Chris and I were doing our manager of the year picks ahead of the year. Mm-hmm. I picked <laughs> Chris. Chris, you remember who I picked, right? Uh, 2022. God. Yeah. Uh, I'm try. I'm trying to associate who you predicted highly in 2022. Was it Charlie Montoyo? That was one of them. Uh, and then and the manager was it Joe Girardi? Yep. The two guys that got <laughs> fired midseason. I think I had the same picks or one at least one of the same picks. You might have. Yeah, you honestly might have. I think I don't know if you had Phillies because I remember being like way high on them in 2022. Yeah, no, I I think I had Montoyo, but not Girardi. I think you're right about that. Um there's yeah, so probably anyway, another in 2022, both my uh both my uh, manager of the year picks, I uh, got fired midseason. Nice, yeah. Very nice. My shout out to my Cy Young picks this year of Tristan McKenzie and Max Freed, who are gonna pitch a combined like seventy five innings. Well, it just goes to with the manager of the year stuff. It just goes to show you what a stupid award it is, because like, like the year <laughs> that the year that Rick Renteria got fired, he was a finalist for manager of the year. Meanwhile, like if. If someone were a finalist for Cy Young, they're not getting DFA'd. That's that's no. not ever going to be a thing. And none of that, but it's not even like people disagreed with firing Rick, Rick Renteria. No, it like, wasn't controversial like, at you, all. You can't, like how many baseball fans were like, oh my God, they fired this guy. He was just a finalist for manager of the year. What are they doing? It's like, I don't know how much you guys follow basketball, but you're Dwayne Casey, one coach of the year with the Raptors and they got fired. Like he might've been fired before the award was announced. But he got fired in one coach of the year. That is extremely funny. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah, that does it for players to highlight. Uh, we have a semi genuinely, genuinely, do you think any managers in Major League Baseball would care if they just abandoned that award entirely? No. I think I think less than like 30% of them would care. I think 
also, Bob, I think 100% EBWAA writers would be okay with it as well. Bob Melvin could win 15 more managers of the, managers of the year. He would trade all of them for a World Series. That's yes. all they care about. And rightfully yeah. so. Um, also, like, shout out to uh, the year that, like, Mike Schilt won it over Davey Martinez, even though Davey Martinez, like, led them past the 1931 record. Right. Exactly. Never mind the fact that he went on to win the World Series. And, and also um, they won, like, to... they also won, like, 11 more games than they did the year before. Yep. Shout out to, uh, and also they lost Bryce Harper. Yeah. Um, shout out to when Paul Molitor won it for the Twins and then got fired the next year. That that's an example. Yeah, that's a very good example. Very good example. That's yeah. absolutely happened more than once too. Like that's, that has that's, to happen yeah. fairly often. Um, Kevin, I'm pretty sure Kevin Cash is one of the last. No, he won in 2020 and 21, right? I think. Uh, correct. I yeah, who correct. won it last year then? Um, it was uh. Francona. Yeah. It was Francona. And Buck Showalter. And Buck Showalter, yeah. Yeah, it's 2004 again. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, with the preview of the weekend ahead, I mean, it's it's already it's already started, but just to highlight some series you can watch, uh there there are two really good ones out of the west. Uh you, you got Mariners, Orioles, so you got the hottest team in the AL versus the team with the best record in the AL, which is a very good series. And then also in San Fran, you have the San Francisco Giants uh, hosting the Texas Rangers, both in their respective heated playoff races. Uh, so check both those out. The, they both have a couple games left on tap. There's also there's also like a lot of animosity between those teams because they because the, the Rangers won revenge for 2010. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Ezekiel Duran just cannot <laughs> stop thinking of the image of of Brian Wilson with the, of with the with really with him. with the fingers up after the after yeah. winning the World Series, like yeah. I, like right. uh, Josh. Player. Sorry, you know who you know who also like really wants revenge for that Bruce Bochy. <laughs> <laughs> They actually have every single player on the Rangers has the picture of the Dodgers like on the field, like framed in their locker hanging up. Yeah. <laughs> it was Bochy's idea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Bochy's homecoming weekend. I guess that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. I just know jo- Josh Young just has that image of Nelson Cruz swinging and missing at that high fastball just stuck in his head from when Josh Young was like 13 years old. <laughs> um yeah so probably even younger that shall do it for or do you want to get into uh starting pitching matchups yeah uh tonight or yeah tonight well there's no there was only one uh oh never mind it's a double header i was gonna say i thought there was only one day game today but there's not uh tonight in the second end of the mets braves double header i'm not gonna go for the matchup in the early game you can look that up if you want to but uh spencer strider and jose quintana will face each other at 7 15 tonight uh justin Steele and chris bassett will face each other in cubs blue jays that one starts at 3 p.m in the rogers center uh brian bayo will be pitching for the red Sox against the tigers tonight at fenway um 
Gavin Williams will be pitching tonight for Cleveland. He's been pretty awesome. You should look at his numbers if you haven't seen him. Uh, Michael King will be, I guess, opening for the Yankees against Sandy Alcantara in Yankees Marlins. Um, Pablo Lopez and Taiwan Walker will face each other in Twins Phillies. Um, I'm sorry, I'm skipping Brandon Williamson. <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah. Um, Tyler Anderson and JP France will face each other in Angels Astros. Brandon Woodruff will be facing the White Sox for the Brewers. That's in Chicago. Um, Rich Hill and Zach Allen will face each other in Padres and Diamondbacks. Uh, Cole Irvin and uh, George Kirby, Kirby will face each other in Orioles Mariners. And matchup of the night for tonight, I'm going to go with uh, the Tigers, Gi- the Rangers Giants series that we're all anticipating. Uh, Andrew Heaney versus Alex Cobb. Yeah, it's a good tough, tough good day. Matchup. Tough day to be a tough day to be a ground ball for the home team, and tough day to be a fly ball for the away team. Yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then on Sunday, Eduardo Rodriguez makes his return to Fenway Park uh, for the 12, 12 p.m. game. Uh, he'll be facing Cutter Crawford for the Red Sox. Um, Luke Weaver, that's let's, Brian's let's guy. Oh, yes, yeah, sir. We'll be facing Mitch Keller. Chris is slightly alarming. Uh, Sonny Gray and Ranger Suarez will face each other in Twins Phillies. Jamison Tyon and Hyunjin Ryu will face each other in Cubs Blue Jays. Tanner Bybee and Zach Eflin will face each other in Guardians Rays. Garrett Garrett Cole and Yuri Perez. That is a cool matchup. That is fun. I uh, yes. yeah, that'll be fun. I'm excited for that one. Uh Dane Dunning and Logan Webb, tough day to be a fly ball in that game. Just a real tough day to be a fly ball in yes. Dane Dunning versus Logan. That is a great matchup. I'll never, I'll never forget our reaction to seeing Logan Webb and Framber Valdez facing each other, by the way. I, was... I told you I was I know. Yeah. It was yeah. glorious. Yeah. Was... Heading into that heading into that game, I think it had been like since the start of 2022, they had literally the most ground balls allowed in in baseball, you know, in that span. Yeah. I wanted to like put on a suit and tie and watch that game. Just watch some ground balls. I was actually lucky enough to be in attendance for that game back in Houston. In it was like the first weekend of May, I think. Something like that, yeah. It's a, that's we that's just amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Yeah. I would have paid top dollar for that, even to sit in the nosebleeds. Anyway, Julio Arias will be facing the Rockies for the Dodgers at Dodgers Stadium. And I just clicked off the tab by accident. Oops. Uh, Seth Lugo and Brandon Fodd will face each other in Padres Diamondbacks in Arizona. Kyle Bradish and Bryce Miller, fun, fun matchup there. A couple of young guys that have been very under the radar. Uh, Kodai Senga will be facing the Braves for the Mets on Sunday Night Baseball against Yanni Chirinos. And matchup of the afternoon comes from Brewers versus White Sox. It's Freddie Peralta versus Dylan Cease. Yeah, nice. Yeah, a lot of strikeouts in that one, most likely. Um, that shall do it for this installment of Above Replacement Radio. We hope you enjoyed this one. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and want to watch the conversation as it happens, go to our YouTube channel and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Enjoy all the content there, whether it be YouTube shorts, whether it be our baseball history series uh, that is in the playlist section, whether it be the guest interviews, uh, most recently with Mike Petriello. Uh, that is, those are all playlists on our YouTube channel. Go subscribe there. It is called Above Replacement Radio. Oh, wait, we didn't, we gotta, we gotta ask Brian the question, by the way. Um, oh yeah. All right. We could do that. Um, wait, have I you told could... you the question? You did like the first week we moved in here, I but I, I have like forgotten what it is. I remember you asking. I don't remember what it all is. All right. So the question that we ask all of our guests is 
if you could obtain all of the stat cast data for any player in baseball history pre-2015, who would you go with? Oh, yeah, I do remember this now. I have, like, a vague memory of what I said. Um, I think I gave, like, four answers. I didn't really give a yeah. singular one just because I... You can't just give a singular one, but that's what we're asking for. Um, mm, That's such a... I'm going to take out dead ball players just because I feel like that'd be boring. That's where I thought you were going. I'm not no. going to lie. Like, see, it, it'd be cool. It'd be interesting just to see what the game was like back then, how hard people were actually hitting the ball. But, like, if you led the league with 0.3 home runs per nine, like, as a pitcher, like, having the highest, that isn't, like, particularly interesting for batted ball data in my mind. Um, I feel there was an answer that immediately came to my mind, but I feel like, it feels a little too easy to me, but I'm gonna say it anyway. I'm gonna say Josh Gibson. Yep. Um, just because the statistically the Negro leagues are so vastly underrepresented to begin with. Uh, but like you hear all of these like basically urban legends at this point about Josh Gibson like hitting baseballs like 600 feet or like you know just all of the absolutely bonkers stuff he would do as a baseball player. Unfortunately, he also passed away way too soon. Um, but I think he is, I believe, technically the all-time home run leader based on official, like American. Is it? I don't know. I might, I might just be making that up. There's we we could, we could confirm that with Statcast. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, but I know he had some absolutely ludicrous years, like playing in those leagues. The Homestead so, Grays. Yes, sir. Um, so just to see how hard he was actually hitting baseballs, um, and I mean, he was a catcher, too, so even, like, some of the catcher metrics that we could get on him I think would be really interesting. I'm going to go with Josh Gibson. Yeah, I think that's the first repeat answer we've gotten because one of our professors also said Josh Gibson when we had her on. Yep, yep, indeed. He was number eight on my list of, of top ten um, because, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of intriguing stuff with that, and also with that, it would be interesting to, like, see maybe – how we would compare like percentile wise how we would compare to like the mlb uh like what was considered the mlb at that point um and see like oh maybe he you know he was hitting it harder than everybody else in the mlb uh that would be very interesting so yeah so so yeah if you want to follow us on social media follow me on twitter actress underscore gianta follow daniel on both twitter and instagram at daniel underscore current brian what do you got for social media uh, follow me on Twitter at Brian Butler two two five, and then on Instagram is Brian Butler fifteen. Yes, go follow those, and uh, yeah, if you uh, ho- we hope you enjoy this one, and we hope to see you next time where we will be talking all the happenings in Major League Baseball once again. See you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over.